Hi. <laughs> I'm going to start by reading some verses. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can find it in John's Gospel in chapter 15. John 15. If you haven't got a Bible, well, then the elders will throw you out. Um, if you haven't got a Bible, listen. Please just listen. I, I actually think almost listening is more important because we can focus on the Word. John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear boot fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and bent. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, 
Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Before I say anything, I want to, to quote my sources. Um, I have kind of preached the sermon once before, on Wednesday evening, to my life group. So they've all heard it, and they've all commented, and they've all asked questions, and they've all run through this text. And I took notes, and I worked on it after that. So we've all, this is a, this is a combined effort. Thank you to my, my life group. I want you to remember the context of this teaching about the vine. It's Jesus, the night before he is to be betrayed, sitting around a table with 11 men. The 11 who had been with him from the beginning, who'd sat at his feet as he taught, who'd seen his miracles, with whom he'd shared his heart, and he had shared with them. And now he talks about the vine. Now, any Jew would know immediately exactly what he's talking about. The vine was not a new theme among in the Old Testament times. It appears frequently in the Old Testament. Uh, probably the best known was Isaiah chapter 5, what we call Isaiah chapter 5, where, where God talks about preparing the ground, building the necessary structure, and planting a vine because he wanted fruit from it. And when he came to, to get the fruit from it, he said, I expected good grapes. And what did I find? I found wild grapes. What more could I have done to, for my vine than I did? Then why is it producing wild grapes? Now, Jews were familiar with that picture, and they knew exactly what the vine was. The vine was the house of Israel. Not any particular individual, not even the king. The vine was the house of Israel. And that is to whom God is speaking. Jesus picks up the theme himself. You remember in the story he told us about a man who planted a vine. He uses the same image as Isaiah. And he lends it out to farmers. And when he wants the grapes for which he planted the vineyard, the farmers refused to cough up. 
They beat up one of his servants. They um, violate others and eventually they kill his son. It's the same picture of the vine which is the house of Israel. The Jewish people. Jesus here is talking to 11 men. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, just stop and think, we are familiar with vines. We have them around the place. When you see a vine, what are you looking at? You're looking at the branches. That's what a vine is. So first of all, there is this total identity of Jesus with us. And by us, I don't mean you and me. Us is liberty. This body, that's who Jesus is talking about when he talks about you. When I was younger and you read this, I used to think you was me. Jesus is talking to me. He isn't Jesus, he's talking to a group of people. And the vine was always a group of people. I was interested that in one of the songs we've just been singing in worship, I want more of you, God, I want more of you, God. It's suddenly changed to we want more of you, God. We want you. Did you notice that? Great. It's the recognition of us as a group, as a people. The only difficulty is it should have been the other way around. We should have started with, we want more of you, God. And then I come into the picture. The vine is liberty of which you and I are a part. Are you beginning to get it? The vine is in the world. And that's us. When we worship God and when we pray, we need more and more to think in terms of us as a body with a job to do out there in the world. And uh, what is this job? Well, first of all, let's get it right. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And when we read through chapter 15, I discovered that I thought of myself and Jesus. Yeah? Well, I got the myself right. It's, it's, uh, it's us. I only fit, when I fit in to liberty. But the farmer is the father. The farmer plants the vine. We are where we are meant to be. His liberty. This is the vine that the father has planted in this Helderberg basin. There are other vines. How many churches did you drive past when you came here today? Yeah, there are other, other vines, but we're a vine. We've been planted here. What is his expectation? Well, his expectation is 
fruit. Grapes. That's what he expects. Think again of Isaiah chapter 5. What more could I have done for my vine than I did do? Why then, when I came to look for grapes, did I find wild grapes? It's a picture of the disappointment of the father. His intention, his expectation wasn't met. And here is Jesus saying, I'm the vine, planted here by my father. You are the branches. The father expects something of you. Something of you, liberty, of which I am a part. What is it? It's fruit. What exactly is this fruit? Well, in our house, in our life group, we immediately turn to kind of Paul and say, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and, and all the rest. Yes, true. The Father expects that of liberty, of which I am a part. But it seems to me, if I look at verse 8, that it's more than this. This is to my Father's glory. That's the point. We're here to bring glory to the Father. Are you aware of that day by day? We are here as liberty, of which I'm a part, to bring glory to the Father. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And what does a disciple do? What is the instruction Jesus gave to his disciples? Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Is that the fruit that God has called us to bear? Please, can I have a show of hands? How many of you are here today for the first time? Right. How many of you are here today not for the first time? There's something wrong with that ratio. Where is the fruit? We are meant to be bearing fruit. Now there will be the fruit of the Spirit. Of that I am convinced because Jesus, or rather, the, the Word of God tells me that we are being formed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. The Spirit works in his people. You're not the same as you were last week. He's making us into the image of Jesus. There is that growth within us which bears, gives glory to the Father. But there also has to be those disciples. We ought to be seeing new faces at liberty because of the witness of liberty of which I am a part. I'm tempted to go right to the end now, but I'm not going to. Jesus 
goes on and says in verse 3, you are already clean. Oh, sorry, no, let's look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He cuts it off. You are the branches. You merely have to read the opening chapters of Revelation to know that again and again God or Jesus speaks to the churches, the seven churches, and says, because I haven't seen fruit, I tell you, repent, change, lest I cut you off. The call is always to us to become more and more what he wants us to be, to be more useful in his hand, to fulfill the Father's expectation of us. He didn't put you here for nothing. He didn't put us here for nothing. He has an expectation. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, now I wonder how many of your Bible says prunes. It's actually not what it says. So that it, um, he will bear fruit, he cleans so that it will bear more fruit. I'm emphasizing that because the very next verse has exactly the same word in it. So you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I'm convinced that the first clean does mean prunes. But as it were, Jesus is playing with two words here. What is dead, what is useless, what stands in the way of the fulfillment of the Father's purpose must be cleaned away from us. And that means, yes, it is I who have to look at myself because, you see, I am a part of liberty. So if I bring into liberty dishonesty, sexual immorality, lack of control, impatience, rage. I stand in the way of liberty fulfilling the purposes for, God, for which God created it. Liberty has to be cleaned and God wants to do that, to remove everything which prevents our bearing fruit. But you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word is the word. It's this book I have in front of me here. Because it's Jesus speaking. And he is the word. But God, the Father by the Holy Spirit is continually speaking to us. I'm, I'm very interested to see how many people respond uh, on, on, on social media every Sunday. There's always somebody who responds, who's heard the Lord saying something to them, who's been touched by the worship, and I often have. Been made aware of what I'm singing, what I'm saying, for goodness sake. It isn't just a tune. It, it, it's, it's saying something. It's a worship. 
And it always, worship always comes back upon us ourselves. Is this really what I'm saying? Is this really what I want? God, I want more of you. We want more of you. Do I? Do I want really to feel the power of the Spirit of God at work in me, not here, but out there? Will I go out through that door with such a sense of having been in the Holy Presence that I want to draw others in also? Do I want to bear fruit? Clean through the word I have spoken to you. Cleanless springs from the word as the Holy Spirit removes through the word to speak into our hearts. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus goes on then and says a great deal more about remaining, or some Bible translators say abiding. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Now we are talking about I. If a man, if I remain in Jesus and he in me, I will bear much fruit and so will liberty of which I am a part. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, but I can be very busy. I can do all sorts of things. No. Nothing to fulfill the expectation of a father who wants fruit. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. There is judgment when the Father does not have his expectations met. That needs to be said. Unpopular though it is, we've created this God of, uh, of love. We've built him up to such an extent that in the end he becomes just a, a harmless bulldog, toothless. God is not toothless. Please believe me, he is not. But he wants his expectations met. I'm going to stop at that point and I'm going to ask you please to, to break into small groups of five or six fairly quickly because we do have a time bind and uh, there's a question that needs to be put up on the board please in what practical ways are you making sure that you remain in him throughout your normal day at home and at work. What does it mean to remain in him? 
to abide in him. All I can tell you is that the Greek verb which is used implies a permanent residence. Okay? What does it mean to have a permanent residence in Jesus? How do you perceive it? And it's not just theory. I don't want theory. I've used the word practical. I've used the phrase, the normal day at home and at work. If you're going to commit yourself to remaining in him and he in you so that you bear much fruit and glorify the Father, that's the object of the exercise, then what have you been doing? Can you share with one another what you consider to be remaining in him and perhaps share too how you're doing it? And I'm going to say, I want you to ask about your own lives. I don't want to stand here and speak on this. Yeah, you've got the text in front of you. Groups of five or six, please. Everything that you have heard in your group is part of what the Father wants to say to you today. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Philip who's bringing the word today. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> it's the other people who were in your group. That wasn't just idle chatter, I don't believe. What you have heard, what you have responded to in a group is part of what the Lord wants you to hear within the context of liberty. There is an end to this. What, what, what are the things which abiding in him, remaining in him, Consciously or tensionally, what is it we expect? Please, we expect a change of relationship. Always. We're being turned from servants into friends. I don't call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his father is doing. I'm trying to tell you, Liberty. But the Father is doing what he wants, what his expectations are, and how to go ahead with it. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Please, remain in me, and I will remain in you. That's, that's a promise. There is a change of relationship that is taking place, where we are coming more and more into the close fellowship, the smiling friendship of Jesus himself. We're identifying more and more of him, with him. Liberty. Liberty collected, but liberty out there where you live and where you work also. It's the same thing. We're becoming, he's calling us friends. Okay? And what, is, what does it uh, say to us? As the has, Father has loved me, so I have loved you. What is the degree of, the, of love between Father and Son in the Trinity? It must be intense. It must be possibly nuclear. That's how much I love you. 
liberty. I have a love for you. Move in my love, walk in my love, accept my love, be warned by my love and pour it out on other people. Please, pour it out on other people. That love. And I assure you, the more you get rid of it, the more it'll come. Now remain in my love. How do we do that? Obedience. But relationship is characterized by love and obedience. This man took hold of all the imperfections, the corruptions of my life, and in order to set me free, he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, to be rejected, to be despised, to be spat upon and beaten, in order to give me life. That's the quality of his love. He actually wants us. He actually wants liberty. He says, please just respond to me. Respond to me and you'll discover more and more of my love. Let there be obedience. Now, group, we talked about the beginning of the day when we wait upon the Lord. Maybe at some other time for you, when we read his word, we wait upon, we will consciously pray. But at those times, the relationship is being built more and more to the point where when I am confronted by a decision, I know what I have to do. I didn't at the beginning. I didn't. I had no standards except the world's standards. I had no motivation except my own flesh and its desires. But as we grow into Christ, as we remain in him, we suddenly start to respond with obedience. Oh, Satan's there. If you do that, do you know what the consequences are going to be? Yes, I do know what the consequences are going to be. But I want to respond to this man who gave his life for me. And I want to say, if there's anybody here who has not come to that point where they can look at the cross of Christ and say, I want to give my life for that. Please, please come and talk to Glenn or one of the leaders, myself possibly, and let's talk it through. We may come into this friend relationship with Jesus, the one who died for us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Yeah. That's transforming, you know, isn't it? In a world of misery, in a world where people are suffering from what I used to call hunger, I now have to call food insecurity. Keeps it at a distance. Joy. Liberty is intended to be a joyful people. Even in trial and difficulty. And that is one of the great languages the Lord gives us into a suffering world. The joy and hope that I have in him. 
the final word that I want to say to Liberty or Jesus wants to say is verse 16. Liberty, Jesus says, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Liberty is here today. The vine planted with the Father's expectation that it bear may, that it bear fruit. Circumstances may arise that we're not here forever. But the fruit continues as the Spirit of God works through loving, obedient, joyful disciples to fulfill the purposes of the Father and the expectations of the Father who put us where we are. Father, Father, thank you. Thank you for putting us here. Thank you for the responsibilities you give us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you for your love for us. For us and yes, other congregations here in the Hildeberg, others who join together to worship you and to seek to be filled by your spirit and directed in this witness of bearing fruit. Thank you that you call us friends. Friends who are also your children. Thank you for your love. Grant us a spirit of obedience that as we move forward into the joyfulness of our salvation that may be written all over us, written for the world to read that we may bring glory to you. That above all, Lord, Father, glory to you. Amen.